Brain Health and Healing with Eva Edelman and Simone Jeanette. What are we doing today, Eva? We're going to talk about zinc and copper, how they counterbalance each other and the strong influence they have on mood, psychosis, hyperactivity, anxiety, insomnia, postpartum issues, and so on. I just want to explain that all these broadcasts are part of a web of information, an intricate web that one thing relates to the other relates to the other. And so we're starting with pieces of it. After a while, it's going to all make sense. But right now, listen and let it go. And then the next time, you'll understand it better because it all builds. Yeah, it, you'll add up, you know. You'll hear a word that you say, oh, and then you'll think about it. And then you'll look up information on it. And then you'll listen to the next show and everything will tie together. It's pretty interesting. And we try to make it kind of funny, I guess, and personal. <laughs> so, yeah. By the way, listeners, interspersed with this podcast are the background voices in the studio that we have been unable to control for at this point in our technical knowledge. Future podcasts, I believe, don't have this problem. So don't be worried if you hear voices that aren't from me or Simone. They are real. They're just the people in the background hanging out, talking. So, all right. So today I wanted to talk about zinc and copper. They're kind of on a seesaw with each other. A seesaw? A seesaw, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they counterbalance each other. Zinc generally is calming and copper generally is stimulating. When one has too much zinc, one might fall asleep and not get up for a while. In fact, there was this report by a researcher named Prasad of an individual who heard that zinc would be good for him, and he got a hold of some zinc powder and put it in a peanut butter sandwich and ate it all, but he ate a super high dose of zinc because he didn't know how to measure that powder, and he fell asleep for days. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then he was really slow moving, but then a few weeks, and he was back to normal. But wow. That's what zinc does. It's almost like a sleeping pill when you overdo it. Huh. But... You don't want to overdo zinc. That will deplete copper, possibly iron, cause anemia, and perhaps depression. Not a good idea. On the other hand, it's really bad for mental health not to have enough zinc. So how do you find out if you're deficient in zinc? One helpful test is plasma zinc. You could also bolster those results by checking on the various signs and symptoms of zinc deficiency, among which is a deterioration in the sense of taste. A corresponding test developed within natural medicine is the zinc taste test. Tongue twister. <laughs> it's a liquid dropper full that you put in your mouth, hold it for some seconds, and if you don't taste it, you need zinc. If it tastes horrible, then you may have enough zinc. Really? That's so strange. The reason is zinc is very important to your sense of smell and sense of taste. And so as you get enough zinc, you can actually taste how horrible the zinc tastes. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's say you have a bipolar disorder and you are zinc deficient, what kind of symptoms would arise? The more stimulated symptoms like agitation, mania, hypomania, maybe psychosis, paranoia, those all relate to a level of zinc that is too low for that person. They also relate to other nutrients, but low zinc will definitely contribute to paranoia and psychosis and mania. That Low zinc can be a factor, an important factor, and it's pretty common in people with bipolar. Yeah. And very important in preventing anxiety. Gosh, I feel like I'm plagued with anxiety most of the time, but yeah. I know I should stop drinking coffee. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> So zinc is really important to the functioning of progesterone, that hormone that calms us down, to the use of GABA, an amino acid that also happens to be a neurotransmitter in our brain that calms us down, and to the functioning of taurine. That taurine is a critical amino acid to the brain, the eye, and the heart. Taurine feels really nice and calming, mellowing. Getting back to zinc, zinc is needed for taurine and GABA and progesterone to work effectively, and also in other neurotransmitters and neuroregulators. Copper, on the other hand, super high doses of copper are like an amphetamine and creates a brainwave pattern just like amphetamine. And no wonder, because copper is critical in the conversion of dopamine to norepinephrine, which is quite stimulating. Times in a woman's life when estrogen is high can result in elevated copper in the bloodstream. For instance, pregnancy, especially postpartum. Hence, you have postpartum psychosis, mania, or depression. I feel like I have a lot of copper in my body. Bipolars and schizophrenics tend to have a lot of copper in their body. And those biotypes that I talked about, these biochemical types that people seem to fall in that affect mental health, of them, histopenia, low histamine, or overmethylation, especially with paranoia or voices, and pyroluria, that teenage delinquency biotype, both often have the low zinc and the high copper. Often the culprit is a zinc-dependent enzyme, metallothionine, which binds to, handles, and removes certain kinds of metals from the body, including copper. Subfunction allows copper and other metals to accumulate and cause problems. Copper has an amazingly strong effect on voices and other overstimulation symptoms. Which so, might like contribute to anxiety, right? If it makes you more stimulated? Yes, definitely. Now, when you first use zinc and vitamin C and niacin and other relevant nutrients to remove the copper, sometimes too much gets into the bloodstream and then gets reabsorbed, and then you have high copper as it's being removed. But then after a few weeks or months, it should go back down, and then you could see a steady improvement. 
if you do this process more slowly, then that problem doesn't happen. Because there's so, like a readjustment period for your body, right? Yeah, well, you have to get that copper out and then you have to create a new balance. Yeah, it's like when yeah. you plant out by the roots and expose them, they don't typically like it. And then they... Does that make sense? Is that a good analogy? Well, I'm not sure. Yes, <laughs> you make a sudden change. That yes, Yeah. Yes. So, to summarize, we find a lot of people with mental health issues like anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, voices, show elevated free copper. And that removing that copper can lead to a pretty marked improvement over time. Zinc is part of an enzyme that removes copper and other divalent metals from the body. So what we have is zinc removes copper, but also copper removes zinc, because the more copper you have, the more zinc you need to deal with all that overstimulation. So they kind of balance each other. Copper is really important for joints, movement, and the blood. You could look at that. Are there movement issues? Is the person anemic? Is it from B6 or iron or B12 or copper deficiency? Can you become copper deficient and then like have problems with your joints and your tendons? Yeah, and things? exactly. So you do want to make sure you don't have too much copper that is causing delusions or high anxiety or whatever. No, but, that doesn't feel good at but all. But on the other hand, <laughs> Right. It's miserable. You don't want to have that. That's not good for your health. On the other hand, you don't want to have too low a copper that is affecting your blood or your joints. So there's a balance. Like anything we take in, you could even take in too much water and die from it or too little water and die from it. So there's a balance, okay? Yeah. You can get some picture about what's going on in the blood and the urine from various labs. For copper, you look at free serum copper, unbound copper, as compared to ceruloplasmin, which contains probably 95% of the body's bound copper. Optimizing health of the liver, kidneys, and gut will help support the binding of copper. Bound copper is a lot less likely to cause problems and is important for antioxidant and other function. The unbound causes oxidative stress and all the problems we've elaborated earlier. As you're adjusting dosage, you also want to look at symptoms, physical and mental symptoms. That's with copper, zinc, whatever you're doing. So you want that balance. You want the anxiety and insomnia, psychosis and paranoia, and so on to be reduced. You don't want to have too much copper. And you want to have enough zinc to get a calm way of looking at things, enough sleep, and so on. So that's a zinc-copper balance. Where do we get so much copper from? A lot of really healthy foods have copper, and we don't want to avoid them, so I'm not even going to list them. Oh, okay. <laughs> but there can be a pretty significant amount of copper in our drinking water, if it's acidic, and if it's flowing through copper pipes. The acid leaches the copper into the water, especially if a person is not eliminating it effectively. 
one can wind up getting a pretty high cumulative dose of copper just from the water. We could get copper from multivitamins that give two milligrams of copper per daily dose, or sometimes three, and you're getting copper from good foods and water. People with excessive copper. You could often find a copper-free multi, or one with point-something doses of copper. Also, consider other supplements and what, what degree of copper is present in them. Don't be swallowing copper pennies. <laughs> <laughs> to summarize, copper-zinc balance can be off in bipolar, in schizophrenia, in autism, in pyroluria, and with agitation, anxiety, insomnia, and so on. You could see week by week if reducing the copper and increasing the zinc has helped. Yeah. So. Like taking a journal, I with my psychiatrist and like any kind of therapy, including like food therapy, or whatever that I have ever been engaged with, they always suggest a journal, so you could track your own progress, your own health. So you're not putting your whole health into the hands of somebody else. Yeah, it's great to work with your doctor instead of have them dictate to you in general. In fact, they say patients who are troublesome who ask questions actually wind up with a better prognosis, wind up doing better. Because they're uh, more aware of themselves. Yeah, and they're more into getting themselves better also. So, And it's something like a mental health disorder. Your doctor can't be there with you every day to fine-tune. And so it's really good for you to get the knowledge. Knowledge is power, right? Yep. <laughs> Knowledge is power. <laughs> it's great to have to know about things and learn. I think I think that part of what makes us happy is learning. If it comes down to it and you think about why you were happy at a certain time, sometimes it's a surprise, which is learning. I like this learning with you because it really falls in line with my learning techniques or style, which is hands-on learning. And so I get to interact with you, someone who's researched it and knows a lot. And so then I can ask questions and hopefully our listeners can be answered too. If there's any listeners that are like sort of fall in my category or like aspect of existence, because I'm okay with being vulnerable and Eva's here and she's a sounding board and she can help me. And it's great learning. And you're right. Learning is great because it gives you like empowerment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're talking about learning about zinc and copper and balancing and a little bit of journaling. To get back to journaling, one can think about creative journaling. Like one could write, oh, I had this for breakfast, and then yuck, and then maybe have a picture. <laughs> yeah. And it could be any way, as long as you're getting that information down in a clear form, maybe overbolding the stuff that's relevant to what nutrients did you take, what was your reaction, what happened that day that was someone horrible to you, or whatever, that will help, and over time you'll see the picture of what's good for you and what's yeah not. your triggers too that's important when you're journaling because a lot of the vitamin deficiency can play into it but also you have to get real in touch with yourself and what your triggers are that might 
spark a manic episode or like a PTSD flare up. So journaling's good for that. Cause like if you do have someone that's like triggers you during the day and then you write about it later and then you have some kind of a, a PTSD flare up and then you start to calm down and then later on something like that, it comes again. But if you're writing and reading your journal back, you can go, oh wait, this is like this. And this is like that. Or I ate this this day and I didn't eat this this day. Yeah, you can put recipes yeah. in there too that are chocked with the vitamins that you need. <laughs> right? Yeah, you could. You Whatever. Could. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get back to zinc for a little bit. There's some physical signs also of zinc deficiency. One is skin issues. So Ooh. like when one has acne or pimples or whatever. When I was a kid, people used to use zinc oxide when they had outbreaks of skin. Oh, condition. really? Yeah. Was it, it was like they took it or they put it on a their white, skin? Oh. Like toothpaste-like oh. thing. <laughs> so skin. The other thing is, along with the B6 deficiency, one could have joint pain, growing pains. Zinc deficiency also means immune suppression. Colds and flus. And how fast do wounds heal? Enough zinc and they'll heal pretty fast. Nice. Okay. Can I ask you something about yeah. the zinc in the pill format? Can you just give it to your kid? You do want to have a lower, appropriately lower dose for children. Okay. Also, it could taste horrible. And it could even make you feel nauseated. Uh-oh. So you want to, number one, have enough B6 for a while. And B6 is kind of an anti-nausea vitamin, aside from all the other things it does, which we'll talk about one of these days. So B6 for a while, or even B-complex, but B6 would be better. And then you might not get so nauseated. Vitamin C is also important to counter that. The other way to do it is to have zinc with meals. Make sure the dose is low enough so that the person doesn't react to it. And if there's still a problem, to maybe get lozenges. Not the best choice, because usually there's some sweetener in it. But if you have to get zinc in and you can't do it any other way, then that's a reasonable choice. Especially for people who are eating sugar anyway, it's not different. Yeah. But if they're not, then you want to think maybe some chromium with it or whatever. Okay, folks, I just want to add my disclaimer that my statements are not meant to replace medical advice and treatment or diagnosis. Also, in this broadcast, I use the term you a lot. What I am referring to basically is the combination of of the patient working with the practitioner. I don't want to imply that the individual should do this alone. It's really important to have a professional that works with you. And so here I mean you and your doctor. Think about this. That's what I'm saying. The reason why I'm even talking here is for educational purposes only. Yeah. So listeners, if you want more information and you want a broader perspective of what these approaches are about, as well as contraindications and indications for each nutrient and extensive references, you can look to my books, Natural Healing for Schizophrenia and Natural Healing for Bipolar Disorder, available at BorageBooks.com. 
yep, she has some great books. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you again on the next podcast. Take care, folks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>